right, all right, all right. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Circuit Clouds podcast, the official podcast of United League Baseball. Fine purveyors of fake baseball since 1951. That's 2003. Okay, 2003, whatever. You know, time travel, forwards, backwards. It all works. I am Lance Mueller. I am the current GM of the Chicago Colts. I am here with our commissioner, Timothy Smith. Uh, some would consider the George Washington of United League Baseball, our founding father, Tim. Hello, hello, hello. And also with us is Glenn Reed. Some would call him the John McGraw of United League Baseball, as he is our winningest manager in UL history. Glenn. Yo, yo, yo. All right, so Kamish, what are we going to cover in this episode? So we're going to break down our series preview into two episodes. So episode three, today's episode, we'll be looking at the East Division, and we're going to do a count up rather than a countdown. We're going to start from bottom of the division and work our way to the top based on uh, the way we see things shaken out in the East. And then we will wrap up the episode with a, a quick summary of our picks for the top swoops in the uh, 77 rookie draft. So without further ado, let's get started. Okay, we're going to start in the Eastern Division. So we'll just uh, we'll go one by one, and we're going to do announce uh, who we think is going to finish seventh count our way up. Do you want to get us started? Yeah. Uh, no, why don't you – let's go Lance, Glenn, and then and then me. All and, right. And then, okay. and then what we'll do so, – so the way we'll do this is if two if the two of the three of us pick the same team – then we'll obviously talk about that team. If by chance we all three pick uh, different teams, then what we'll what we'll use is kind of like the, the tiebreaker to figure out who to talk about first. Is we will look at the in-game preseason predictions and use that as kind of like the tiebreaker. Oh wow! If that okay. makes sense. No, if it makes, that makes sense. sense. Yeah, I didn't know we had yeah. an in-game. I didn't know the in-game yeah, yeah, yeah. did that. Huh? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we can talk a bit about that as well. So, uh, so someone to keep us honest, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And okay, so, good, good. so, and, and that's also why I think I'll go last because I've got I've got that screen up right now, so we can kind of we've got to check there. Uh, so yeah, let's start with the East Division. Uh, last year, obviously, well, actually, the last couple of years, the East has been the powerhouse division. Um, I think the last two, two of the three, two of the last three years, we've had. Uh, both wildcard teams have come out of the East Division. Uh, last year we had uh, an All East World Series, so um, so we thought we would start there. Uh, but let's start at the bottom. And uh, so Lance, who's going to come in seventh place in the East? All right, uh, I have Detroit finishing in seventh. Glenn, how about you? Dude, I'm nailed. On, I'm nailed on for seventh in my estimation. So you're saying Boston? Yep. Tim? Uh, oh, shoot. I've lost my notes already. How about that? I said Boston. I said Boston. Okay. Yeah, I think so, too. So, What's the computer say? Uh, computer says uh, – the computer has Boston sixth. Right? Computer. So, yeah. So so this is how we'll do this. We're going to talk about – my, my thinking here is we're going to talk about teams, not rankings. So, so when you say, like, where's – uh, you know, we'll get we'll get to who the computer says is below Detroit, but it's very close. Um, it, computer has Boston at 66 wins, which is not much different from last year. 
So, Glenn, it's your team. Why don't you talk a little bit about Boston and and why they're uh, why they're not poised to to make a big jump? Last year they won 65 games, which was a 15 win improvement. Um, so go ahead, Glenn. Um, okay, so well, last year I finished dead last in the league in runs scored, but middle of the pack in pitching right so that so I, I achieved my goal of league average pitching but my offense was terrible so this year i um this year i basically traded away a bunch of relievers um okay sorry i wasn't really expecting to like talk about my uh, my team yeah, yeah, yeah. so give me two yeah. sorry sorry yeah. so okay so basically yeah so last year i was uh so last year i was lost in the league and run scored and middle of the pack in pitching this year i see it to being totally flipped so Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about, I added uh, Hindu, who's a 20 rated uh, outfielder in the uh, in the draft. And then I called up Thompson, who's a 20 rated uh, first baseman from the minor leagues, plus traded for uh, Dillard. So I think that's like three clear upgrades, three major upgrades. And then um, even at catcher, (laughs) Pacaroba's horrible by major league standards but he's actually upgrade over who i had last year so i've basically upgraded like four positions so i think my offense is going to be radically better but my well maybe not radically my offense will be better 100 mm-hmm. percent. but um but i traded away some relievers uh and i have my number two starters out for the entire season with an injury so my starting staff is radically worse and my bullpen is worse so i i think it might be flipped i could be league average offense but also the last in the league and run scored. That's how I would see it. Mm-hmm. All right, Lance, what are your thoughts on, on, on Boston? And, uh, well, I guess, I don't know. Should we have Lance reveal where he had Boston ranked or, or, uh, I, I guess we should do that. Right. So where did you have Boston ranked? Uh, I had Boston finishing in, uh, sixth place. So, All right. so not radically different. Okay. No. It's like way higher up the standings. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, don't know. I got a lot of like just little mishmashy notes about uh, each team. Um, I mean, the yeah, I, I think Lyndon and I shall be maybe uh, upgrading his staff. I mean, and obviously, Bly Levin is an ace at the top, um, but you are sort of going with uh, an unproven rookie at your number two starter. That'd be Larry Sorensen. Yes, Larry Sorensen. You know, I, I really took it as. Um, Glenn sort of building more for the future, uh, which I definitely think he is, which he's always very, very good at. So, you know, I, I think he ultimately just had a generally stronger pitching staff and a generally overall better offense to finish above Detroit, um, who mm-hmm. I had set to finish in seventh place. But... Yeah, that was uh, – <clears throat> I don't have too much more on Boston. Yeah. So for me, the, the – the, I the, I definitely see improvement, but also I think that a lot of the improvement is not visible when you're looking at the major league roster. It's all the churning that's going on uh, with all the all the draft picks that he had and you know building for next year and the year after, whatever. So it's pretty scary when you look ahead to like 79 or, or, or 80 – with this team. Um, but I think the, for me, the, the two real dings on them are uh, four and five hitters, Jason Thompson and Steve Henderson have a combined zero 
major league plate appearances. So that might be a first, actually. Actually, they're your four and five hitters, right? Sorry about that. Four and five hitters, z- zero major league at bats. So that's that's a uh, obviously Henderson's going to be. Um, he should be good out of the gate, but you just never know, right? Uh, with these rookies, um, if if it'll take them a year or two to kind of even match up to what their um, current rating should be. And then the other thing for me on the rotation was, yeah, Blylev and clearly an ace. Um, he, I mean, he alone is going to. Uh, keep the team from completely, uh, completely sucking. Like, you know, I, there's no way this team's going to lose 106 like they did um, two seasons ago. Um, but I see Dick Tidro, the number three starter, plus an ERA over seven last year. Uh, Force Rao, Necro, all those guys. One of those will probably emerge as as a decent third or fourth starter. But um, uh, oh yeah, and I should also mention here the other huge strength is uh, Bruce Suter, obviously one of the top two or three closures in the league. So there's definitely pieces here. If I had to say like the three, if, if you had to tear this team down to three players and build, I would go with uh, Bly Levin, Suter, and Sixto Lescano. I think those three are the core guys. Um, the rest of them, like literally I could see this whole team, maybe with the exception of Henderson, um, almost the whole team could uh, could cycle out in upgrades over the next two or three years. Well said. <laughs> that's essentially right. the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. So let's move up. Let's move to number six then. So uh, we already know that Lance picked Boston number six. So, Glenn, who'd you pick sixth? Uh, so, dude, I actually had Cleveland there, and it's kind of a big shout, but or maybe right. it's not. I don't know. But anyway, I put Cleveland. Cleveland six, and uh, I had Detroit at six. So uh, so here's here's what we're going to do since, uh, since two of the three of us picked Detroit uh in the bottom two we'll talk about detroit next i guess i can start since i actually picked detroit sixth um and then we can talk uh and that will uh set it up between lance who picked them lower and glenn who picked them higher so so for me obviously i think uh sean's done a, a commendable job like upgrading the team um pretty much across the board their last year they were 11th in offense, 13th in pitching. So I think the offense is going to be much improved with uh, obviously Mitchell Page coming in um, at the number three slot. He's got Otto Valise, who's um, a legit, you know, one of the top cleanup guys. Um, I think Claudel Washington at the top of the order is is a, a big improvement in terms of uh, setting the table. Um, the thing that I think holds them back is they they weren't major moves to address the second worst pitching staff. Nolan Ryan coming in as the number two starter. That guy is a complete crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get. Actually, you do know what you're going to get. You're going to get about 11 strikeouts and 10 walks every game, uh, right? So it's a it's a it's a matter of which one is going to uh, tip the, the outcome of a game. Is it going to be all those walks you give up or? or all the strikeouts. Um, but then the three, four starters, Royce and Nolan, I think the, those guys are still a little shaky. Um, so yeah, definitely an improvement over last year where they won 64 games. I think they could easily top 70 this year. So uh, Lance, you want to go? Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of just, uh, I'm pretty much on board with you. I think you know, the thing that, um, you know, that really sticks out is that, that it's just a very questionable starting rotation really from top down. So, 
you know, there wasn't a, a lot of improvement there, if at all. So I think that that is really going to hold them back, especially since they are play their home games in what, you know, appears to be a fairly batter-friendly ballpark. So if you're if you do not have uh, some strong guys in the rotation, I think that you are looking to chalk up a lot of losses at home. There, as you said, there are some interesting um, <clears throat> batters in the lineup. Uh, Valise, uh, adding Page definitely helps. Uh, I think Brian Downing as well is a threat. But it, you know, it's not a lineup that you are necessarily overly uh, frightened to be facing. Again, I think. Uh, you know, he's probably building more for the future, and so this is going to be, I think, another probably fairly rough season for Detroit. Glenn? So, dude, I I wanted to put them even higher. Like, so so, so one thing I should tell you guys, or maybe it's, yeah, I, I did my analysis before we had these, so I kind of put what I thought was this projected lineup. Mm-hmm. And by my ratings count, they're the third best team in the East. That was before I saw this and like, the fact he has Brinkman and some guy I've never heard of literally playing third base <laughs> yeah, exactly. probably each at was, to 10. You right. know? That was my reaction. Phil Mancowski, so, I literally had to like look that guy up. It's like, is that, is that even yeah. a, real, a real guy? So Yeah, so I mean, clearly he prioritized defense and he put Bailey on the bench. If you put Bailey in, that's like a 19-rated player, right? But I mean, defensively he's poor, so maybe that justifies that move or explains that move, but but yeah, so I had him. I mean, again, if you look at his lineup, to me, one to six, he's going to score. I had Bailey seven. He's going to score runs. So I don't think there's any – I mean, to me, he's going to have no problem scoring runs. Um, and his pitching staff, I give him credit for having Nolan Ryan, whereas you guys were like, nah, Ryan sucks. Mm-hmm. To me, it's 200 innings of like maybe mm-hmm. an ERA around four. If you can score a bunch, I mean, I think that can work. Again, Holtzman, I like the ratings. Those performance isn't great. Um, you know, again, Royce adds to 20, no one adds to night or uh, no one's not as good as I thought. Yeah. So his rotation is not that good, but I just felt like other teams, basically Cleveland and, and Boston have problems and could fall down. But again, that was before I saw that he, you know, his couple of his guys are just warm bodies essentially. Yeah. yeah. So when, uh, so just to address one thing that you said about, they're going to score runs. Uh, so the one thing that jumped out at me when I look at the stats, well, first of all, let me back up and say that one thing that we haven't, we're not really talking about, uh, it's kind of like with Boston, we didn't really talk about, well, we did mention they're really building for the future, so that that uh, it's kind of unfair to judge them solely on what they're going to do this year. But for Detroit, we, I think Sean, did a, he, he, he did a lot of like housekeeping in terms of uh, fixing the finances of this team. So he, he, he offloaded. There, there were a lot of big un, big contracts oh, yeah, yeah. on his payroll that were non-performing, and he managed to um, to to cut his payroll quite a bit. So I and uh, I think clearly there's uh, the the focus was on addressing the the, the batting first and, and fixing the finances. Uh, you know, it's going to take a while to when you're 11th in batting and 13th in pitching. It's going to take you more than one or two years to to get everything right. Having said that, dude, let's give him as long as we're talking about it. Let's give him credit for the draft. A, you got the best single best player, and B, the single best prospect. Yeah, that's a pretty sick draft. Yeah, yeah. Say nothing about what happened after Absolutely. that. Absolutely, absolutely. The fact that you can do that was pretty sweet, dude. And we'll and we'll get to that when we talk a little bit about our draft review. One other thing I wanted to point out here was 
the, the home run RBI numbers, usually you see, usually you see with, when there's a guy with 40 plus home runs, it's almost always guaranteed 100 RBIs, right? Or 34 home runs. That should get you a minimum of 90 RBIs. Looking at two guys in his lineup here, Otto Valise, he had 43 and 85. So that's literally like uh, not even twice as many RBIs as home runs. And Dick Allen, very similar ratio, 34 home runs, 72 RBIs. So what that tells me is there's, there's a whole lot of solo home runs going on here, um, which to me, that's a, a red flag of like, okay, there's, 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 there's just no, nobody's getting on base ahead of these guys. So I think if, if we see Claudel Washington and Don Money, if they, if they have pretty decent OBPs, then you're going to see those RBI numbers go up. And yeah, then, then we'll definitely see the run scoring. Increase. Yeah, and Page Page is an I mean he's going to be an OBP hound. I mean, I mean this yeah. guy's ridiculous. So he transforms the yeah. whole lineup, I think. Yeah. Okay, very good. So that's our number 6. We're going the consensus then would be uh Detroit and then so let's move to number 5. So Glenn, who do you, who do you have number 5? Uh I I guess that's where Okay, so sorry. Let me see. Boston Cleveland I have Montreal, dude. That's a tough right. shout, but that's what I put. All right. So Glenn has Montreal fifth. Lance, who do you have fifth? I also have Montreal fifth. Very interesting. Okay. So we will be talking about Montreal. I had Cleveland fifth. Okay. So Montreal. So this is a team that last year was 79 and 77, barely over, just a hair over 500. Uh, coming off 101 wins in 75. Um, so presumably if you guys are both picking them fifth, you're looking at um, a little degradation here, a little below 500. Yeah, the departures. So Lance, tell me why Montreal uh, drops from – of course, they, look at this. They were fifth in the division last year, even though they were over 500. That just speaks to the depths of, of the division, I suppose. But uh, So Lance, go ahead. Montreal. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Glenn mentioned departures. I mean, you know, the rotation last year, I think it was, could be considered a super solid. Now, granted, since I was not managing last year, I was not actually paying very close attention to what was going on. But um, he, you know, he still got Singer and Ellis at the top of the, the rotation. But, uh, you know, sending McAnally to Chicago, I think, and basically replacing him with an unproven rookie and Floyd Bannister, um Definitely is a downgrade. I think the bottom three of the rotation does not look all that strong. And I also, I mean, it is, it's, I think it's a nice looking uh, sort of batting lineup from top to bottom. But again, it's like, I'm not calling out specific guys, but it's not, it's not a lineup that like necessarily, uh, if if I have some top flight pitchers that I'm necessarily that frightened about facing. So yeah, I, I just think that particularly with the arms, the the sort of uh, departures and with the arms that it's just a, a, a slight. So I, don't, I guess it's I mean he's essentially finishing in the same place, but I think it's a, not a slightly uh, a less talented team than it was last year. All right, Glenn. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean it is less because if you subtract McAnally and you subtract Burleson. Templeton's good, but he's, I would say, more a player for the future. Burleson was a player for the now. And McAnally, you trade 22 rated starter, and you get back two 20 rated starters. So I, I could see the logic, but it definitely hurts you now. I, I mean, I like this team. And again, kind of like I didn't mention with Detroit, 
they have Downing. They have the best catcher in the division. Carter, second best catcher in the division. So I give them credit for having good players at key positions. Carter, Coggins, dude, I love Coggins. Great leadoff hitting, lefty hitting, center fielder, great glove, right? So there are things to like here. But again, it's just, I don't know, the pieces don't all add up. And, you know, and, I, and dude, I love some of the individual players. Warren Cromarty, I love. Gross, it was like, you know, that guy's given tremendous value over his career. But Bostock and Kemp were drafted or acquired. They're the same guy, right? And they're all kind of the same guy. So, I don't know. I just feel like there's more upside here. And probably now, again, this is what I'm kind of hesitant because maybe seeing the Detroit thing and how, you know, he's got now some guys who are essentially zeros at the bottom of his lineup. I'd probably flip Detroit ahead or sorry, flip Manhattan or sorry, Montreal ahead here. But, um, you know, it, it's, it, it is a tough call. I mean, he also, his bullpen is great. I think the Montreal bullpen I'm talking about is also great. So I, you got to give him credit for that. So it's not as if I'm saying the team is bad. And, and in fact, the other thing we should get to at some point is, this notion of kind of parity in the East, the spread, the rating spread in the East is very narrow, right? Mm-hmm. But the rating spread in the West is very wide. So, so, so there's not a lot of difference here in these teams. So we're talking about like some fine distinctions. So, yeah. so, so like I say, my original list, but again, I was going on imperfect information. I had Detroit ahead. Now I would probably put Montreal ahead because again, all around solid, Right. But um, but again, with the subtraction from last year and you were already basically one or two games over 500 last year, it's hard for me to see them being better yeah. in, a, in a balanced, deeply, you know, division. Right. So I'll make the case for how they might be better because I did. It looks like I had them. You guys both had the Montreal five and I had them at four. And here's here's the reason. Uh, number one, um, McAnally's good, but I don't think he's like. He's like an ace level. It's not like they lost a, uh, you know, a Blylevin or a or a Jenkins or something like that when they lost McAnally. Also, I noticed uh, in the in, in the preview that I had started on, I had Bill Butler in the rotation in in uh, the in the actual opening day rotation. He's got he's got Floyd Bannister, the rookie, as I think Lance mentioned, already in the number three starting spot. So, but the fact that he's got Bill Butler uh, on this team, it, it's, I mean, Bill Butler is obviously a, a shadow of his former self, but I think he's got a bit of uh, starting depth there. So I don't think necessarily that their pitching is that much downgraded, but here's the real reason I think I see some improvement is they were 10th in runs last year. And if you're looking at uh, the heart of their order, you've got Gary Carter and George Brett. Both of those guys are, I think under 23 years old. So, um, and you had Gary Carter hitting 235 last year, and George Brett hitting 239. So those guys are definitely um, poised to give you a lot more run production. And I think because of that, I think they they've got a good shot of at least matching last year's win total and, and maybe going into the low 80s. Maybe. I mean, I hope so. I, I would like to see them do well, but it's a it's a tough division, bro. Is anybody is anybody concerned uh, about the fact that they only have ten arms total, ten start five starters, five in the bullpen? Uh, that's that's standard, I think. I don't know. Well, I mean, not anymore. I mean, standard 
Yeah, standard for the period. But not, right, right. Not I mean, standard for today. Yeah, I know, yeah. but uh, I think uh, I've said it. I always set up my teams with with ten with ten guys, ten like five starters, five usually usually a, a sixth guy who can be like a long relief slash emergency starter. Um, but so yeah, I don't I don't know that that makes a difference. Uh, again, since we're playing 1977 era. Uh, where you know we we still have a bunch of starters who go 250 plus and a couple guys who get close to 300 innings, so I don't necessarily think uh, having five in the only five in the bullpen is is a huge concern. Well, I mean, I I might, I might agree with that if if I felt like you were solid one through five in the rotation. I think he's solid one and two in the rotation, and then he's got three left-handers, three through five, and it's like you know. That many left-handed starters. I mean, if you got if you've got any teams out there that have a, a righty-heavy lineup, and they're going to mash against these guys, you're going to be going to that bullpen a lot. Obviously, that depends on what he has his hook settings for on the starters. But if those three through five starters get 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 banged around, you're going to be burning out that those five arms in the bullpen pretty fast. Oh, that's However, true. Okay, go ahead. So sorry, bro. You went. I was just going to point out that uh, Montreal is one of there's. A, couple of teams who have moved their they had really effective closers last year and for whatever reason they've moved them into setup roles or mid relief roles so Bill Crastro was one of those guys he had a mm-hmm. one 189 ERA with 23 saves and he's moved him into a setup role for Bill Greif or Grief whatever uh who is um good Greif pretty, pretty good Greif yeah I mean he's decent but three a 356 CRA last year uh so I mean I think he's got some bullpen depth there. At least, you know, the, he's got two or three pretty solid uh, solid relievers. So go ahead, Glenn. Oh, I was just going to say, so uh, so two things. So one is, on my analysis, I only looked at the setup and the closer. And they actually have, other than um, other than Roboski and uh, Suter, that is the best bullpen. Because they're, they're 22 and 23 rated. So they, they total a 45. So again, just the back two, like you said, the other three mm-hmm. guys might be potsers, but but I only looked at the top two. Um, but other thing I wanted to note though is credit Montreal for having best defense, or at least the best up the middle defense. They even hang with Cleveland. So Carter is a ten, um, uh, Gritch is a ten, Coggins in center is a nine, and uh, Templeton an eight. So mm-hmm. that gets you to thirty-seven. That is yeah. a pretty stout up the middle defense, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think we all agree they're a good team. Probably not going to contend though, because uh, not going to contend seriously because we still got four, three or four teams ahead of them. So it would take uh, some monster years and some good luck for them, I think, to even you know compete for a wild card spot. But uh, what we can talk about that uh, a bit later. So let's move to number four. Obviously, I already had Montreal number four. So uh, Glenn, who did you have at number four? Well, that's where I had Detroit. Detroit, okay. All right, yeah, we actually, we should have asked you that when we talked about Detroit, so that makes sense. That's and Lance? I have Cleveland at number four. Okay, so we can talk about Cleveland now. Although This is interesting. The consensus, uh, uh, the consensus on Cleveland, if I'm averaging these, is that we have Cleveland fifth and um, Montreal would would then move up to fourth in our, but let's talk about Cleveland. Um, uh, Lance, you start. You had them uh, highest. You had Cleveland picked fourth. I had them fifth. 
Glenn had them sixth. So, Lance, you start. Let's go with Lance and then Glenn and then me. Um, well, again, it's a little, I mean, it's like, I think they're, they sort of are comparable to Montreal in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously they have an absolute stud at the top of the rotation with uh, big daddy, Rick Russell, um, and a nice con, you know, one, two combination with Russell and Hooten. Um, after that, again, I have some question marks about the rest of the rotation, especially getting down to, uh, to Lopez and the number five spot. And, Again, it's one of those things where I like it's a it's a decent looking uh, batting lineup, um, but like n- you know, I'm not I'm not afraid to face these guys. I mean, he's got a lot of guys who look like to me that they're swinging for the fences with the, like Cooper and Kingman. I feel like if if there are some middle of the lineup guys who aren't performing, then this offense is not going to be all that dangerous. Um. But again, on the plus side, as Glenn already mentioned, they have a really, really strong defense overall, which is uh, you know kind of a a, a benchmark of uh, of quality teams. He tends to build a pretty strong defense all around, and, and this team uh, sort of lines up to that. But again, I don't. There wasn't. He was pretty inactive in the in the preseason and the offseason, so there wasn't. Uh, doesn't feel like there's a lot of uh, upgrading going on here, or a lot of movement at all. So I, I don't really see them moving much in the division either. Yeah, so so I have them. So again, on a ratings basis, they're the worst team in the division. Not the worst team in the league, but they are the worst team in the division on a ratings basis. But I didn't put them in the basement because, as you said, they are the best defensive team in the league. And so that counts for a lot when you're backing Russell and Hooten and these guys, right? And even Foster and Reberger. I mean, these guys are, they're not studs by any stretch, but I mean, those are solid, you know, you know, UL pitchers. So, so that's why it's, you know, he's not going to give up many runs. Right? I mean, this dude's, this dude's team is going to be, if not, it's not going to be airtight because the ratings aren't, you know, what they used to be and you subtract Jim Palmer, but, but it's going to be real stingy. Oh, and oh, by the way, shout out to uh, closer Al Fitzmorris with the three stuff. He's always had three stuff. So if anybody wants to look at like, what does the three stuff get you? but also backed by a great defense. You can look at Fitzmorris's career because uh, I think he's been in Cleveland for a long time. So my problem with Cleveland then, dude, is kind of like the classic quality problem. It's like he's the best defensive team, the best pitching team, but, dude, it's going to be hard for him to score runs and, and you subtract Cepeda from a lineup. I mean, that's going to hurt anybody. But he just – I just don't see – I just don't see where he's going to get the run production from. So that's the reason why I graded them down. And again, on a ratings basis, he has the lowest position player ratings uh, in the entire league. So, so that that's where I come in with the, uh, you know, I put him just above me because clearly his pitching and his defense are going to put him above me. But, um, you know, I just think he can't score basically. Yeah, so for me, I I think there's no reason to, to there's no reason to think that this this they've been the number two pitching team the last three years. I think I think maybe the last five years actually. We only have look at the last three here, but um, I don't think there's any reason to to doubt that they'll be in the top two or three in pitching again. Uh, but for me, the the single if you want to point to it, one single swap out of players, it's losing Cepeda to free agency and his his. Replacement in the lineup is Cito Gaston, so that's a huge, huge drop off um, to go from Cepeda to Cito Gaston. 
so that's going to definitely hurt the run production. I don't see a lot of young hitters coming up. We should note, I think Cleveland is the second oldest team overall, and I think they're the second oldest uh, pitching, or they are the, the oldest pitching staff, um, pretty sure. So it's going to be a rough road for for this team i think in the next couple of years and i think they're really ripe for kind of a, a teardown and kind of a do-over because there's going to be a lot of older players that are starting to decline and uh, some of them are going to lose to free agency or uh you know just going to start um uh, downgrading over time but uh but yeah the reason i had them fifth ahead of both boston and detroit is just the strength of that pitch the pitching is just so damn good that i mean it's uh, this team has had a winning record like for the last five years, I think, even despite being one of the, you know, the lowest producing offenses. So I think the pitching and the defense is just so good that you know they're going to be up there close to 500, um, almost regardless of what happens in the lineup. All right. All right. So let's move on to number three. So the three teams that are left, by the way, uh, Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Washington. Obviously, we all. Have, we haven't mentioned any of those yet, so it sounds like we are all in agreement that uh, the top three of the division is Washington, uh, Brooklyn, and Montreal. So, Lance, who do you have coming in at number three? I have Brooklyn coming in at number three. Okay, and Glenn has Brooklyn at number three, and I have Washington at number three. So let's talk about Brooklyn. Glenn, why don't you start this time? Well, dude, I mean, I really like well, – there's a lot of things I really like about this team. So I love the catcher defense. I love Freddie Lynn. I mean, right? Like there's there's so many guys. I love Mike Schmidt where you have like the one of the very best players in the league at a, a premium position, right? So so I really do like them and I want to put them higher, but I, but I can't do it. Again, on, on a ratings basis, they're – their starters aren't good enough. They're not at that elite level, and their bullpen's not at that level either. But um, but I think anytime you have like, you know, Freddie Lynn, he's got I would say he's probably a top ten player. Schmidt's probably a top ten player. You have two top ten players at premium positions. I mean, you should be in it. And I think it's not a I mean it's not a fluke. He was in the World Series last year on the basis of those guys. But he's in a again a very tough division. And I just we'll, we'll talk about when we get there. But to me, it's a straight knockout between Manhattan and Washington, and I just don't see that um, Brooklyn, mostly because of the pitching issue, I don't see them as being uh, comparable to those two. All right, Lance. Well, I, I just I don't see want to just say ditto and move on, but yeah, I think um, like I agree with Glenn. I mean, it's like the starting rotation is. Very solid, but not spectacular. The bullpen is very solid, but not spectacular. You know, you look at the middle of the lineup with Schmidt and Lynn and Luzinski, like there's some real danger there. Um, I think they're, you know, the, the one sort of maybe a slight knock is they don't have the greatest. I mean, you got great defense at catcher and center field, but in the middle infield, uh, not the greatest defense at shortstop and uh, second base. You know, not a not stellar like you see in Montreal or in Cleveland. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're a really solid team, but I just don't think that they are going to necessarily be able to knock out uh, a Manhattan or Washington. Okay, so um, let me talk a bit why I picked Brooklyn 
I I had Brooklyn just narrowly ahead of Washington, and um, I think it comes down to uh, I think Brooklyn's going to have a, um, a little more run production with again Schmidtlin. We didn't talk about Luzinski, the guy hit three hundred six with hundred RBIs. Um, he's got you know Kusick batting sixth. Uh, Pretty solid top to bottom. I think a lot of it is going to depend on Dave Cash and Whitfield, the, the one two hitters, um, uh, how well they they uh, set the table again. Um, but again, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe I'm uh, uh, misled by the big names, but Tom Seaver, Rick Roden at the top of the rotation looks really good. Uh, and again, until you click on them and you look at the right. Oh, well, that's not really Tom Seaver. That's not really Rick Roden, but um, I still think they're pretty solid guys. I mean, they're uh, Rick Roden has a 3.10 a couple of years ago. Uh, Seaver um, had a 1.26 whip. So, I mean, they're and they're and the bullpen isn't horrible. So I think if they can, they were, again, they were the number two offense last year, one of the two mashing teams that just mashed their way to the world series. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's why I just had them just very narrowly uh, pipping uh Washington for for uh, second in the division. So Glenn, who's your number two in 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 the East? Well, I mean, I, I really, I honestly believe it's a coin flip. But uh, I guess if just by pure rating points alone, I have Manhattan two rating points ahead of Washington. Okay, so you have Washington number two, Lance. I have a, I have Washington uh, number two as well. Okay, so let's talk about Washington. Um, Lance, why don't you start this time? I mean, what I have to look at right now is uh, is an unfinished lineup. It's uh, got a lot of um, a lot of guesswork in it. But I mean, if um, if Wilson can come off of the DL and slot into the top with Vita Blue, um, and if he, uh, assuming that he sticks with uh, a four man rotation, which is what is what I'm seeing here right now, I'm, that could be different. I'm not sure. You know, he's going to get those two top starters. Wilson and Blue are going to get a whole lot of starts, which means. It, most likely translates into a whole lot of wins. Um, it looks like, you know, pretty strong back into the back into the bullpen. Although the bullpen as a whole uh, has a lot of questions. Um, and then you just have that sort of middle of the lineup. I mean, we got when you got Bloomberg and then Joe Torrey. I mean, you know, Torrey arguably, not what top five top three players in the league possibly certainly with the bat um you know add in bernie allen a little little soderholm uh now he's gonna have amos otis in this lineup as well um yeah i mean i just think in what looks to be a pretty strong pretty pretty good defense as well i i just think um with those kind of like really key starting pitchers in this rotation, I think that he, he, you know, gives himself a really good chance to finish at the very near the very top um, of the Eastern Division. And uh, yeah. again, go ahead. There's no, I'm not going to disagree with anything. I gave him credit for Wilson the whole season. Uh, I gave him credit for Walker as a starter. Amos Otis in center, I think, is a. Phenomenal. I mean. Nobody knows better than than Lance that guy's quality. So I mean, I think that's a transformational move potentially. You you've got Tory, you got all the all your old favorites, right? Blomberg, Soderholm. I mean, all these dudes you know, they all rake, they all produce. So I mean, to me, your only risk maybe 
uh, Tories, however old he is, right? So, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe just... you start to worry about does he get a downgrade at some point or does he get an injury? But I mean, that's, you know, I mean, whatever, anybody could, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say. Um, again, and maybe this is why I shade them slightly behind, um, slightly behind Manhattan is because he basically has two legs he's standing on, right? When he has Robinson and Grieve, whereas here you're just looking at, at Tory and Tory's older than both of those guys by quite a well, decade. So, right, so that's right. why I think I put him just behind. But I mean, dude, it, I, it is so stinking close between these two teams; it's ridiculous. Yeah, and I would I would add, yeah, I think Tory obviously is a risk. He's thirty six. I, I think he could put up another ninety five RBI year, or I could see him putting up, you know, hitting two sixty with sixty RBI. So you just don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, for me, a couple of things that jumped out as a little bit of like red flags, I guess you could say. Like Blomberg obviously had a monster year last year, 29 home runs, 99 RBIs, um, 826 OPS, and he's had OPSs over 800 the last three years. But if you look at his ratings, I mean, it, he seems to be a classic, he, he seems to be overperforming. So um, to me, there's a risk that he kind of, there's a, he could revert to, uh, revert to the mean a little bit there, and then the other concern I would say, other than Wilcox, who another who's another one of these top three like elite closer guys, 30, led the league in saves, thirty five, one point seven seven ERA, a WHIP under one zero point nine three, clearly uh, an elite closer, but the rest of the bullpen is probably just average or slightly above average. So I think beyond if you if you can get to the starters, uh, then you've potentially got a you know, kind of a little weakness there. Um, but obviously, I don't think Washington is a bad team by any means. They'll certainly, they uh, made the playoffs last year. I certainly think they're going to be in it uh, to the end this year as well. All right. So it looks like there's only one team left. So I think we've all picked Manhattan number one. So one of the things we can discuss here is obviously, uh, other than what makes them so good, is uh, how much better is Manhattan? than the rest of the division. Glenn already tipped his hat by saying that it was basically a coin toss. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I, when I was breaking this division into tiers, um, I had Manhattan head and shoulders above everyone else. I don't, I don't think it's that close. I, I, think, uh, I think Brooklyn and Washington are closer uh, at 2-3. At uh, I think that's, that's the break there. Uh, and, and then, and then you know, Montreal, you get to the, the bottom of the division. But I think Manhattan, um, just uh, six guys with 28 home runs is insane. Um, you've got uh, the MVPs of the last uh, two years, Robinson and Grieve. Those guys combined for 101 home runs last year. And it's not a horrible pitching staff. Sutton, Rogers, Carlton, um, I would say it's above average pitching, and this, this team broke the league record in home runs last year, 252. I think they're going to uh, probably – I don't see how they, they're not the number one offense again this year, and I think uh, that all adds up to them. I think maybe not winning handily, but in, in I think what's going to be a, a overall a pretty tight race in both divisions, I, I see them – remember last year there was a three-way tie uh, between uh, – which was insane. Washington – Brooklyn and Manhattan. I see Manhattan winning this division by, let's say, five games, which in the in in the context of things is a pretty large margin. So, Lance, your thoughts on the Gray Sox? I mean, I could get, you know, agree with pretty much everything that you're saying. I don't, 
don't think there's much for me to argue with there. I mean, their offense is just frightening to look at. Um, and, and, you know, they back it up with, you know, some pretty solid guys off the bench too. So it's like, you know, it's not just the, not just the eight that are starting. There's some guys who can come off the bench, give them some strong pitch hitting, some strong platoon or sub work. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the, the pitching, I, I think you're, I think it's, a, a you know, average slightly above the, again, the back end, the rotations, a little bit, a little bit questionable with Dobson and Gogolowski. I mean, it'll be a real interesting to see how those guys hold up against other teams that maybe have stronger uh, back end of rotations. But just this offense alone, I mean, it's it's just gonna crush. And I, I just don't necessarily see another team being able to compete with them on that level. So uh, can I kind of sing the praises of of Holt House here? I mean, like <laughs> this dude, he has built a team with two, like you said, back-to-back MVPs, right? And I'm pretty sure they're 28 or under, and he signed them to cheap long-term contracts, mm-hmm. right? Okay, number one. Number two, he I mean, he didn't end up with Cepeda. Maybe he didn't need him, or maybe he couldn't even fit him in his team, so who cares? But, but he's managed his finances so well that he did very, very well in the free agent market, right? Mm-hmm. So Mankey, backup player probably, but but he's a quality backup guy. And you deny him to somebody else. Hands, again, yeah. not spectacular, but just a solid guy. One guy you don't have listed here on the ins and outs is uh, Combs, or Coombs is another guy. Mm-hmm. Dude, I've loved that guy forever. I think he's like a 3-8-9 kind of mm-hmm. classic, you know, low stuff, but good control, good movement reliever yeah. guy. And he's always effective. So he's added tremendous depth all over his team. Yes. And again, no, by my and yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say this is another team he's got this is another team that has slotted their uh their closer, again, a sub two ERA, thirty-two save guy, Ken Tatum, and put him in uh a mid relief role. So yeah, the the bullpen is there. Bill Hands, I think, was a huge a huge pickup, a two point one three ERA in Chicago last year. Um the the one thing that jumped out at me, like you look at the the, the preview, uh, like the preview issue they they this is a team that won the world series and yet they didn't really lose anybody they, there's no you know we have the ins and outs here the outs is blank they didn't they kept everyone intact and like you said moreover they've locked in uh two mvps for long term so yeah i think yeah Eric, Eric's done yeah so i mean yeah. You know, yeah exactly and again if it just so my then like my stars analysis more than half of his roster is three stars and above. <laughs> and the rest of his roster is two and a half stars. He has no two-star or lower players. Like, no other team has that. So, I mean, again, the guy's depth is amazing. The job he's done is amazing. He finished, uh, yeah, so he's got a first, a third, and a second in the last three years, right? And one of those, he won the World Series. So it's hard for me to see that he's not going to be in the playoffs essentially every year for the next at least five years, whatever the term of those MVP contracts are, right? So, I mean, you could be looking at another dynasty, or at least you know that the road to the World Series has to go through Manhattan. I think that's at least fair to say. So credit to this guy. And he's he's got all the little tips and tricks, bro. I mean, this guy, the the thing about this dude is, if you look, and I mean, maybe I'm reading something into it here, but when I thought we had spring training and you asked about spring training, I looked at his roster 
dude, and he had all of his best guys out in the lineup. So like to minimize injury risk, right? And then now, boom, the lineup's back. Everybody's fixed. Rogers, his best guys in the number two spot, not the number one spot to get the best matchup. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Dude, this guy, he's a professional. So I yeah, think, yeah. you know, you just know, like when you're playing, you know, you're going to have to deal with this team for the foreseeable future. And again, credit to him. You know, so I think he's done a phenomenal job here. All right, so that's uh, that wraps up our look at the East Division. Uh, just to recap our uh, our one through seven rankings based on the consensus between uh, Lance and Glenn and myself, we had Boston at number seven, Detroit at number six, um, Montreal and Cleveland kind of in the five four range, Brooklyn three, Washington two, and Manhattan one. One thing I should point out before we wrap up. Uh, a, a look at the East Division is let's look at the um, preseason predictions in the game in the Baseball News Network. Uh, they had uh, Detroit 7, Boston 6, but one game apart. Uh, then Washington uh, at number 5, which is quite a bit lower than we had. Cleveland at You know four. the reason why he didn't, I don't think, sorry, dude. I don't think he exported there. So you have to kind of think yeah. about the export and like they probably have Wilson still like on the yep. injured list, right? That's so, true. Okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, and then Cleveland number four, Brooklyn three, Montreal at number two. That's another big. So basically, the the BNN Baseball News Network has Montreal and Washington more or less flipped from what we had. Montreal much higher and Washington much lower. But again, that could be a factor of uh, the projections for. Um, Washington's lineup. So uh, with that, let's move on to our look at the uh, rookie draft. So I thought rather than uh, we talked about doing a full episode on uh, the draft review and clearly we could talk for hours about the draft, but uh, I thought rather than uh, taking a whole lot of time that we would just take a little five, five minutes or so at the end of this episode and uh, talk about uh, the best swoop picks. Uh, so by swoop, we mean um, players that were taken quite a bit lower uh, than you might expect or players that give you a lot more value than what you might expect for uh, as, as low as they went in the draft. So I thought we would do this round by round. So we'll start with the fourth round and then work our way up again to um, the first round swoops. So let's start with round four. Um and Glenn, why don't you start? What is your pick for the swoop of the fourth round of the draft? The swoop of the fourth round? Um, <laughs> leaving aside serum, uh, believe it or not, this is not a joke. Lacey at 56. I had him uh, not on the bottom of my reliever list, and I omitted a lot of guys. So the mm -hmm. fact that he was available 56. Oh, and also honorable mention to Mike Parrott. Parrot yeah. was uh, a little higher up my pitcher list as well. All right, Lance, fourth round swoop. Um, well, I mean, if you go by uh, sort of ratings, uh, prospect ratings in the uh, in the game, uh, you kind of have. To, I mean, I, I might I might with, pat myself on the back and go with Mike Parrot as well, who is right now ranked at the twenty second rated uh, prospect in the league, being. Picked way down in the fourth round, probably not on a lot of people's radar, but uh, I was happy to see him fall to that spot. Um, maybe also possibly Rob Wilfong. I might throw a little uh, a little love towards Rob Wilfong. Also, I had him in in the mix of of 
potential uh, second baseman who might be able to develop into a, a contributing player. So we go with Parrot and Wilfong. I had Wilf, uh, Parrot as the clear swoop here. I think Parrot, objectively, he probably was more of a mid third round guy. So there were a couple of uh, uh, a couple of starters who went before him that I think probably are probably including the guy that I took Thor Thermod's guard. That was kind of a sentimental bozo pick because I love the guy's name. Uh, but uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But so yeah, I'd go with Mike Parrot. So that, I think that makes the consensus pick. So round three Credit I'll... for Jim Morrison though, dude. Credit for Jim Morrison. Though, yeah, dude. yeah. You know, he's all right. He's all right. Uh, uh, although the doors are highly overrated, clearly. Apparently. Uh, yeah. So third round, I'm going to go with uh, – so if, 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 if Lancey's going to pat himself on the back with the parrot, kind of hard to do with wings. But anyway, uh, I'm going to say the third round swoop, uh, Jeffrey Leonard clearly uh, is, is on that list. But I, I would, I'm going to say Dennis Lamp at, at, uh, at relief pitcher. Is the thirtieth pick, early third round. Um, that guy probably should have gone mid second round, I think. Um, so that you go with Dennis Lamp with an honorable mention to Jeffrey Leonard. Glenn. Well, I have. I mean, I have no problem with you putting Lamp on the list, but I actually had Urea and Rosema who went behind him, ahead of him. So, is that right? Not Rosema, Urea ahead of him. So. So I'll give you Lamp, but then you have to give me Urea. You are Washington at twenty nine. You do not want anybody give. Was... You don't want anybody give dude. you Urea, dude. Do not, exactly. Do not, <laughs> do not catch Urea from anybody. Give your hands no. up my Urea, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, UL Washington, come on, that that guy. He he's nothing today, but wheels can play multiple positions. Switch hitter, good potential. That is an excellent potential pick. And of course, Jeffrey Leonard. I mean. And he's yeah, got the name of he's got the name of the league right there. Exactly. The I mean, you, so yeah. the commission had to have him. I'll give you that. But yeah, I mean, you dude, I wanted that guy so freaking bad. Yeah. Uh, Lancey, swoop of round three. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with both of you guys. I, I got I have Leonard also. Um, you know, very end of the third round. Who uh, again the uh, the game is is ranking at the number thirty two prospects. So that's pretty good picking him up. Uh, in, in that spot. I also had lamp on my list as well. I also, uh, I, I, uh, like had a, <clears throat> I had a Warren Brewster ranked pretty high as well on my reliever list. Um, so I think, I think he was also a very nice pickup as well. I believe that's Bruce. Oh yeah. Actually Bruce star. Yeah. Uh, star. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I was going to say Rosama Paxton back to your, this kind of validates how good parrot is. I had all those three guys clustered together on my list. Mm-hmm. And so Paxton yep. and Rosen at 35-37, but then Parrot at 48. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think there were there was, again, this speaks to the depth of the draft. I think round three is really where you see that because uh, that's you're really there's probably eight or ten guys that went in round three that any other year would be second round and some even late first round. And anytime you can get a Willie McCovey clone with the forty-second pick, I mean that—that that is that's you insane. just you won that's the draft. Insane, yeah, yeah absolutely. Game over. All right, round two, uh, Lancey. Who was the swoop of round two? All right, well, I'm patting myself on the back again, although this actually comes uh, via Holloway, uh, who who called it as the swoop of the second round, and that is Jim Norris. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, silence here, bro. <laughs> I mean, you, 
I can't, I can't get who Jim Norris is the swoop of the second round. No, I'm like shuffling through my notes. Like, Jim who? Who? All right. Well, yeah, come on. Yeah. Look again, right. my friends. Look again, my friends. All right. All right. I'll have to reevaluate my approach, apparently. Yeah. I think I lost the end page of my, uh, of my notes. <laughs> yeah. I believe you did. Yeah. 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 I think your parrot just broke his wing, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-mm. Too much, too much uh, patent, too much patent going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'm, look, I'm gonna look. I'm looking at the uh, uh, top prospects in the league right now. If I can even find it. No, he won't. Help. He's not gonna be listed there. No, he's, he's not. He's, he's, he's twenty-seven. A year old. He's twenty-seven. Yeah, twenty-seven. So, yeah, yeah. He's uh, okay. ready to play now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I do remember that guy, but I wouldn't put him again. I, I think because the draft was so deep. Uh, I, I'm not saying it was a bad pick. Uh, but that's not uh, that I did not have that on my list. So, uh, uh, Glenn, who who is the swoop of the second round? Well, again, the draft is so freaking deep. Kemp and you know Kemp is a twenty rated outfielder, and he went twenty fifth. Um, Honeycutt, a twenty rated starter at twenty eighth. That's, I mean, to me, that's just absolutely ridiculous value. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, uh, I, I don't know if I can say here. I didn't like the Aikens pick. That's no secret. I mean, I, I think it, he does t- add to 20. So, you know, I'll give you that. You can't say that he's not talented. But first baseman who has to cook, you know, I, I just feel like you could either get him later or. All right, right. Keep it positive here. Yeah. Oh, oh sorry, sorry. In that case, um, <laughs> I love Willie Aikens, dude. He's a 20-rated first baseman. No, no, no. You can't just make, you can't, in the future. you can't make, you can't make up stuff. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> swoops and what's the opposite of a swoop i guess it'd be an oops it'd be an oops pick right so. it could be i do love tom hume though 22 rated reliever i mean he's awesome so yeah. that's that a very good detroit pick i think detroit had an excellent draft overall setting aside akins and even who cares i mean akins again he's a 20 rated guy <laughs> like, yeah yeah uh, my only criticism is like he took a 20 rated guy too early you know yeah like, yeah right exactly so for okay so so i totally agree with uh I, i'm not at all by any means saying that kemp or jim norris are bad players i just think there was so much depth at outfield um that uh it wasn't necessarily a swoop so in, in, in the traditional sense of like, wow, that guy should have gone 10 picks earlier or whatever. Because, uh, again, you got Gene Rich- Richards, Steve Henderson, um, Terry Poole. These are all outfielders that were taken ahead of them. Now, should they have gone ahead of Jim Norris? I would say Henderson for sure, Poole for sure. Uh, I really don't know about Gene Richards. Maybe Norris is better than Richards. I haven't really looked that close. But th- even then, you're looking at like three or four picks. So I technically wouldn't call that a swoop but again i'm not saying they're bad picks for me my swoops in the second round were um i i thought rick honeycutt was a great pick because i had literally had that guy um i had it narrowed down to two two guys when i took whitson at 16 so anytime you have it narrowed down between two guys and it's kind of a coin flip and then the and then one of the other guy drops 12 picks you know that's kind of like to me that's like the definition of a swoop is uh, when someone drops that far, um, who could have gone um, literally almost a full round earlier. The other guy I had um, uh, was Willie Hernandez, who I thought was a solid. Uh, again, this probably is a function of just the depth at, at, at relief pitching. Willie Hernandez is the 20th pick um, for St. Louis. And then finally, last but not least, uh, first round swoops. Uh, Lance, you want to start with this one? Let's start with, were there were there any 
swoops in the first round? Or were there, and I guess here we could actually say, were there any surprising or, let's not say bad, but um, were there any picks in the first first round that surprised you that maybe shouldn't have been first round picks? Let's start with that. Lance. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to, to necessarily call a swoop in the first round. Um I don't know that I necessarily would have taken uh, Julio Cruz 14th. I think there were probably um, stronger offensive players to be picked, and there was a lot of parity at second base. I think you probably could have potentially picked up a a comparable second baseman uh, later in the draft. So I don't know if I would have spent number 14 on Julio Cruz. Okay, and 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 then for swoops, do you think there were any swoops or no? I, I mean, it's I mean it's hard. I mean, I, I, I maybe Bannister. I don't know, but I mean eight seems about right. You know, so no swoops. Yeah, that's fine. There can be that's a legitimate answer that there's no swoops. Uh, Glenn, what about you? Did you, did you did you see anyone who? Uh, was... uh, yeah, I have quite a few takes here. So mm-hmm. number one. Well, number one, again, Detroit wins the draft because best player, best prospect, right? So mm-hmm. th- that's amazing in the first round. Um, I think Vase kind of swooped himself. On the one hand, he got Lou Whitaker. That's <laughs> amazing. On the second hand, he is this close to winning right now. And he chose a deep value prospect. I, I don't know if I would have done that. I would have taken Bannister. So in that sense, Bannister's a swoop. I tried like hell to trade for the five, six, seven, eight, and 12 picks and four. So I could take Bannister and I didn't get him. So the fact that he went right in front of me at eight, that burns. Yeah. So I, I put that as a good pick. And again, I would have, maybe in Peter's case, I would have done that. Again, I can't, it's hard to fault the guy for taking Trammel. Like again, same yeah. thing. Oh, you got a 20 rated player, like a right. position. Great, but I, I would have like, dude, I'm trying to win right now. So I think I would have done that that way. Mm-hmm. Arguably, Parrish was a reach, but again, I just went through the ratings for every player, every team in the league, and everybody has like an 18 rated catcher or higher, except for like two teams, and I'm one of those two teams. So mm-hmm. I had to have a catcher with some power. So that explains that move. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't but, know. I, I think it more yeah. or less went according to Hoyle. I guess I would say. I would say With those so. Few exceptions, yeah. I I would say so too. If I'm looking at the 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 top of the first round and the bottom of the first round, there's nobody really out of place there. Um, so if I had to pick one for the swoop, I have Trammell at the sixth pick as a swoop because I think if we go back, if we're talking about uh, if we if we hearken back to our preview and we were talking about who are the top players of this draft, uh, we talked a lot about obviously Page and Murray uh, at the top. And I want to say uh, Soto and then Trammell was right up there. So Trammell easily could have been the number one. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it uh, based on uh, on the on the potential. So the fact that uh, the fact that uh, and again, huge kudos to uh, Holloway for because he played it perfectly because clearly the guy he wanted Trammell. He really wanted Trammell. But he, he also saw the risk inherent risk there i think he calculated he he knew that denver boston chicago probably weren't going to take trammel thanks to those three managers broadcasting their intentions on a widely listened to podcast uh so uh, yeah 
Detroit wins the draft, no doubt, and and I think that was super well played that he did because if he tricks Trammel one, there's no freaking way Page is dropping to six, but he takes Page yeah, one. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right, take right. Page one, Page Trammel, uh, brilliantly played. So uh, so with that, uh, I think we'll wrap up this episode uh, taking a look at the East Division uh, preview for 1977, and and. Uh, and some of our uh, post-draft analysis. So tune in next time. We'll take a look at the West Division, and we'll also look at uh, our postseason predictions and take a look at some uh, our projections for award winners as well. So uh, that wraps it up for this episode. Until next time, here's the fake baseball. Baseball.